clock is proclaiming that it's creature o'clock so ring that buzzer it sounds like a lion roar Hooray! and open the door to join us for the 36th meeting of the animal fan club i am not hawk food meredith and i'm trampling through the hearts and minds of our listeners like the high-heeled trampling warthog mike we meet every week at our clubhouse we like to call the dalmatian station <laughs> to talk about our favorite animals what we lack in expertise, we make up for an unbridled enthusiasm and childlike wonder. Wow! So saddle up that miniature horse and hold on tight for the furriest, fin-filled, and feathered podcast in all of the kingdom animalia. Oh, how about that opening? What is up, Mike? Delicious. Just killing it, Meredith. I'm just over here, just enjoying life. I really love your name today. Thanks. It came to me uh, last night. We decided last night that we were recording today, and I had a particularly busy day today. Yeah. So last night I prepared all my material except the animal. Uh-huh. And I like to think that that was, you know, an appropriate number of words for the warthog. Totally. I mean, they've certainly trampled into my heart. Same. <laughs> They're so cute. Anyhow, how is the week in animals? Well, I mean, it was pretty good. You know, still definitely mostly into space right now. I did a lot yep. of ISS watching the International Space Station. Been really into oh, that. Oh, right. As we mentioned last week, yes. Uh-huh. I've had a lot of greens. I just bought seven bottles of vinegars of all various sizes and <laughs> shapes and colors and textures. Ooh. It's kind of part of my green journey that I'm on. What's like the weirdest vinegar or like what's one you never saw yourself buying maybe 10 years ago? Well, actually, this is a good question because this is a vinegar that I have not yet purchased. But I I get one of those like farm box things. So random vegetables just show up. So fun. I love that. It is really fun. And so I've had beets, which I would never have bought for myself. Mm -hmm. So I roasted them in the oven, and they came out delish. Yeah. But then when I'm throwing them in a salad, I wish that I had, like, a raspberry vinegar, which I don't. Okay. Yeah. I love a good raspberry vinegar. It's great for salads. Like, super great for salads. But in terms of the vinegars that I've acquired, it has really been pretty straight ahead, like, standard vinegars that I'm used to, such as... You know, like a rice wine vinegar or a yeah. white wine vinegar or a red wine vinegar. Mm -hmm. You know, all that good stuff. I love it. Oh, I love a good vinegar. Well, that's fun. Yeah. It's been a pretty fun vinegar week. You, I know you've had a very exciting week in animals. You've been really spearheading our social media campaign. Yes. Yes, I'm trying. I'm trying. Man, that stuff takes a while. I don't know how those people that always have a story up always have content coming out. That takes so much time. Maybe it takes less time when you're doing it more often, but like no complaining that I'm putting time into it. That's fine. I'm just kind of marveling at those people that can really like sustainably keep a presence going like every day, all day. It's crazy. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a real challenge to do it, you know, and to keep it moving and to just keep it all happening. Right. So I'm trying. I'm working through it, working through my social media uh, bugaboos. Yeah. And it's really fun, especially when there's like gifts of roly-poly pandas. Just being roly-poly cute pandas. They're so cute. I know they are adorable. I will agree with that. So that aspect is great. I love combing through animal gifts for sure. Yeah. But we do need to make a correction from like two weeks ago that I meant to do last week. I totally forgot. Scoots correction alert. Scoots correction alert. Boop, 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 boop. I think it was two episodes ago, episode 34, and this was in regard to the gharial, and you were talking about the gharial scoots, and we're like, what other animal had scoots? And we're like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was like the mudskipper or something. Right. Of all things, it was the armadillo. So those bands on the armadillo are their scoots. 
So I think we were like racking our brain for other like reptiles or things. Lo and behold, the adorable Dillo. This whole time it was the Dillo who was scooting about and we were (laughs) very uncertain. We thought for sure it was another creature. Yeah. So just to clear that up, because it was quite a moment of scoot fusion for us. Corrected. I love that. Consider it corrected. Yeah. And then also I was... um, hanging out a couple weeks ago or last week with friend of the pod zach hi zach um who needs to be on one of those one of these days for real and he educated me about this thing like essentially bird housekeeping bird nest keeping that i had no idea about and i promised him i would mention it and then i forgot last week so here we are but apparently he was saying that like the baby birds will like poop out these like fecal sacks that the mommy bird will then, like, pick up and then, like, take out of the nest to dispose of. Because if you think about it, otherwise the nest would just be, like, literally full of shit. Right. So they actually come out in these little, like, packets that mommy bird will just come and, like, bloop, drop it out of the nest. And Zach said, like, in his garden, he's seen birds, like, kind of show up with these little things hanging out of their beaks that they, they just then, like, deposit onto the earth below them. Whoa. Yeah, I had no idea, but it makes perfect sense because those nests would be so sick otherwise. Yeah, just filled with baby bird poop. Fecal sacks. That's amazing that they evolved a method of sanitation. Right. It's super cool. So thank you, Zach, for the facts on fecal sacks. Yeah. Meredith, I saw a television show on Netflix called Home Game. Okay. Which is about local sports in various regions. So they have some sort of, of course, the Italians in Florence, they have some sort of giant massive brawl, you know, where all the men just beat each other up (laughs) and they have to like move a ball down the field or something. It's like rugby with no rules. And, you know, then they have like other ones and whatever. But the one in Bali is racing water buffalo. Whoa. Yeah, like in rice patties. And they get the water buffalo. They dress them all up. They give them like these gorgeous headdresses and everything with like all these colors. And they have little koozies for their horns. (laughs) It's very adorable. That's really cute. Yeah, and then they race down the rice patties and everything. But I was really just there for the water buffalo fashion. Yes. Oh, I need to watch this. It's pretty good. I recommend it. I'm here for that, too. There was also, we used to watch The Amazing Race a lot, and there was one, I remember, like, one of the uh, missions that, like, the teams had to do was, like, dress up a llama, because I think they were somewhere in, like, the Andes. Uh Uh-huh. So there was a lot of llama fashion and, like, throwing, like, beautifully knit blankets, like, over the backs of the llamas and then finding a way to, like, tie a scarf on them. But they're kind of wily and kind of hard to, like, chase after to, like, apply the fashion to if you will. Naturally. But very cute. They're normally at the other end of the fashion supply chain. Right. (laughs) Right. Oh, the irony. Uh, Thank you, Amazing Race. Well, Meredith, I think we should probably just jump right into it. What do you say? I really love that idea. It's uh, time for the taxonomy cheer. Ready? Okay. Taxona you. Taxona we. Taxona who? Taxona me. Kingdom. Animalia. Animals, waterfails. Phylum. Chordata, they've got spines. Class. Mammalia, they're our furry friends. Order. Carnivora, mostly meat eaters. Family. Mustelidae, mustelids, P-U. Genus. Mustela, weasels, not wiselles. Species. Putaurus, the European polecat. If the sud species is furrow, then it's a ferret. Finally, the polecat. Not to be confused with the prairie polecat. Was that like the skunk? Yeah, the skunk was the prairie polecat, but we're doing a subspecies of the European polecat. We're focusing on ferrets today. <gasps> oh, ferrets. Yes. Mustela putorius furrow. Wow. That's the genus, species, subspecies. Yeah, our first subspecies, I guess. Well, I mean, we've talked about them before, but I'm just zeroing in. We've played a little fast and loose with species and subspecies, and sometimes we just talk about entire orders of creatures. <laughs> right, right. So I just wanted to zoom in on the ferret. Yes. This is a recommendation of friend of the pod, Max. Hi, Max. From Chicago. Hi, Max. Thanks, Max. So the ferret is the domesticated form of the European polecat. It's been domesticated for at least 2,500 years. Whoa. In Europe? 
you think, or just in general? Well, in general, but yeah, I mean, the species originated in Europe. So this specific species has been domesticated for at least 2,500 years. And when you say ferret, you mean uh, the domesticated subspecies of the European polecat. Gotcha. They're still used for hunting rabbits in some parts of the world, but mostly anymore, they're just kept as pets. Okay. And there's references from like about 500 BC in texts about, you know, it's a different word, but it could possibly mean a ferret or some other mustelid sort of domesticated type creature. Yeah. You know, or like domestic adjacent, like human adjacent. Right. Creature. So we're going to start with tax facts. We all know about animals, chordata, spined creatures with, you know, dorsal nerve cords. (laughs) mammalia are fuzzy furry friends the carnivora it's a pretty popular carnivore is a pretty popular order within mammalia they're mostly meat eaters but our panda friend last week was not a meat eater absolutely not but this is where like you know carnivores like dogs and cats and all manner of things and mustelids and a lot of i think most of the kind of small fun animals that we think of that aren't rodents are carnivora Yeah, actually, now that you say that, totally. And then we've talked about mustelids, the family of mustelids, before. And we were kind of curious, like, aren't skunks mustelids? Mm -hmm. You remember from when you did skunks, they're the Mephitidae? Yeah. Like magical Mr. Mephistopheles? Right. Mephistopheles, Mephitidae? Mm -hmm. Skunks were formerly considered mustelids? but have since gotten their own family of the Mephitidae. Got it. But they're adjacent. They do have anal scent glands. That's a big-time characteristic of the mustelid. Mm-hmm. And ferrets have that as well? Ferrets do have anal scent glands. <laughs> Thank goodness. I can confirm. And you know what's funny? Doing a little foreshadowing. We've got other scent glands coming up in my animal. Oh, my God. This is just a smelly episode. It sure is. So now we get to the genus Mustela, which is weasels, not wisels, which includes the least weasel, the polecats, the stoets, ferrets, and mink. Wait, did you say the least weasels? Yes. I'm opening a line of inquiry. If you want to find out more about the least weasel, you got to Google the least weasel. I will. I know what I'm doing after this. They're small, active predators. They have long and slender bodies but with short legs. They're very dachshund-like, but with a more elongated neck that kind of articulates. Yes. In the way that the dachshunds don't seem to be able to. (laughs) No. For the species, the polecats, the European polecat, it's a European species. It just kind of ranges right across Europe there, you know. And then we get into the subspecies of our ferret friends. We got some fun names. We got males. You can call them Hobbs. Females, you can call Jill. A neutered male is a gib. A spayed female is a sprite. Refreshing. And Meredith, their term of venery, a group of ferrets, is a business. Yeah. (laughs) I would think that would belong to the marmots because they carry the briefcases, but maybe the ferrets also carry the briefcases. I don't get the impression that the ferrets are doing much business that requires briefcases. Oh. I think ferrets are more steamer trunks, you know? I was thinking more like, I know I mentioned this before, but polecats kind of sounds like an exotic dancer. So maybe their business is like sex work or right. exotic dance work. It is the official position of Animal Fan Club that sex work is work. Oh, absolutely. With the prairie polecats, didn't we come up with this whole sort of like weird subtext about like a prairie polecat motorcycle gang and how she'd like (laughs) roll into town and like sweep everybody off their feet there's like a whole thing i hope so i don't remember that specifically i also love to think that that's just like something you thought about on your own yeah it's all possible (laughs) so our ferrets average about 20 inches including their five inch tail they have a pelage of many colors it's brown black white kind of mixed They'll weigh between one and a half pounds and four and a half pounds, and they are sexually dimorphic. The males are substantially larger than the females. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, Meredith, I know you're asking yourself, I wonder what ferrets do all day. What do they do all day? I bet it, it involves a lot of like undulation of the body. Well, we're going to put a pin in that and circle back. Okay. But mostly they sleep. 
14 to 18 hours a day. They are crepuscular. They're mostly active at dawn and dusk. Interesting. But otherwise, they're mostly just enjoying some delicious snorities. <laughs> I love the snorities. It's very cat-like to sleep that much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as their pets, a lot of the information about them relates to information targeted towards owners. Mm-hmm. So if you keep one in a cage, you should take it out for like an hour every day to exercise and to help satisfy their curiosity. Definitely. And a difference between their European polecat ancestors and their ferrets domestication is that the ferrets are not solitary. They will happily live in a social group. They are territorial. They like to burrow and they generally prefer to sleep in an enclosed area. Oh, cute. They like to feel safe. Yeah. Another one of their favorite activities is using their anal scent glands for scent marking. Ferret hobbies. Using my anal scent glands. And they also like sniffing the anal scent gland secretions of other individuals that have been left about willy-nilly. Of course. And they can use the scents to identify individuals. Or if it's an unfamiliar individual, they can determine the sex. Oh, Mm-hmm. Interesting. But if you're a United States ferret shopper, you're most likely to encounter a pet ferret that has been descented, which means it has had its scent glands removed. Oh. Uh... But in other places, such as the UK or other European countries, this descenting process is considered an unnecessary mutilation. It's probably like similar to declawing or circumcision. Yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Now, Meredith, I think it's time to circle back to what we were talking about earlier, because I'm ready to tell you about the Weasel War Dance. (laughs) Wow. Okay. By all means, don't don't make me wait any longer. Well, it can happen when they get excited. It's characterized by frenzied sideways hops, leaps, and then bumping into nearby objects. It's not aggressive. It's a joyful invitation to play. Oh. And whilst engaging in their weasel war dance, they may also engage in duking, which is a soft clucking noise. They're like. It's called duking? Yeah. I would think duking would be something else, but continue. When they're scared, they'll hiss. (laughs) And when upset, they'll squeak softly. Let's try duking real quick. Oh, that's the wrong kind of duking. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's okay. So about their food, they're obligate carnivores. In the wild, they'll eat exclusively small prey. They'll eat the meat, the organs, the bones, the skin, the feathers, the fur. They have a very fast metabolism, so they have to eat all the time. Mm. For, you know, pet ferrets... There is specialized ferret food that's increasingly available and obviously preferable, but you can also use a high-grade cat food that's made almost entirely of meat. But it has to be like a high-grade. It's not like, we're not talking like fancy feasts. Right. Talking more like blue buffalo. Right. Yeah. I give my ferret blue. So the main use of them has been hunting. Like I said, they'll chase rodents, rabbits, and moles out of burrows. So the term ferreting, like if we have to ferret it out, it's yeah, okay, literally the use of a ferret. I had no idea. Cool. And then Meredith, I'll the only thing that I really have left is regarding their reproduction. There's not a lot about ferret romance mm-hmm. that I could find. But the gestation is typically 42 days. Females have two to three litters per year. Litters are three to seven kits. They're weaned after three to six weeks. They're independent after three months. They are sexually mature after six months. And they have an average lifespan of seven to ten years. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess that's longer than I would have thought for some reason. But I don't know why I would think that or have any thoughts on it whatsoever. But yeah, cool. Do you have any ferret questions, concerns, quandaries, conundrums, complaints? Um, So do they generally live, I guess, in, they like to live in a cage or are they like, well, I don't know. I I guess it just depends on how the owner wants to manage them. I guess like when I was rooting around on ferret YouTube, ferret tube, if you will, (laughs) it was mostly 
videos of the ferrets kind of like out and about in the house. And I uh-huh. guess I get the impression that, especially in the U.S., when they've been descented, there's a certain amount of incentive to just kind of let your ferret wander around all willy nilly. Yeah. Because it's not going to scent mark anything, you know? But right. it did give like minimum cage size requirements. I don't remember what they were. And it was mm-hmm. saying that a lot of people keep them in cages with multiple tiers, like just so they have something to do. I see. You okay. know? But if you do keep your ferret in a cage, you have to let it out for an hour every day for exercise and stimulation and curiosity satisfaction. Right. Okay. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a frustrated ferret. And let me tell you, nobody wants that. No, I can only imagine the teeth gnashing and the frustrated squeaks one would get. Yeah. From a cooped up ferret. For real. Oh, can I relate? Yeah. Cooped up ferret realness. For sure. Well, that was adorable. I, you know, that's like one of those um, domestic pets I really didn't know much about and haven't really thought much about. But yeah, I just haven't thought much. I haven't given much of a thought to ferrets, but I'm so glad we did today. Yeah. Thanks, Max. You know, good suggestion. Much appreciated. They were pretty fun to learn about mustelids. Now we know. I mean, we've been talking about mustelids for a while with a certain curiosity and uncertainty and you know now i've opened this line of inquiry i love it now i have to look up least weasels yeah god more lines of inquiry just everywhere everywhere well let's take a break okay long time no see may how are you wow have you lost weight you look so spelt and trim Thank you so much for noticing, June. As a matter of fact, I have lost just over three milligrams. Three milligrams? Why, that's almost a third of your weight. What's the buzz? How did you do it? I'm so glad you asked, June. As you know, us ladyflies can really bulk up in our thighs and abdomen if we aren't careful. And I'll be damned if my addiction to watermelon nectar didn't just pack on the pounds. I know what you mean, May. Ever since I started flying around the human community pool this summer, I've been feasting on nothing but Pepsi and now and laters. It's getting harder and harder by the day to carry my hulking body through the air on my tiny little wings. Well, June, I'm going to let you in on my little secret. Brand Clubby's new Bug Bulge Buster, the first aerial fly mill for winged insects. Wow, Brand Clubby has yet again anticipated my needs and wants. How does it work? It's so easy. Just climb into the comfort harness that hangs from the Bulge Buster's patented rotating bar and fly yourself to fit. Wait a minute, May. How is this any different from just normal flying? Now I'm skeptical this is just one more diet fad exploiting our characteristic fly vanity. June, June, you need to let me finish. The secret to the Bug Bulge Buster is the rotating bar's resistance. Just use one of your six legs to set the dial in the beginner setting and work your way up as you become stronger. Now we're talking, May. That's simply genius. And because of Brand Clubby's creature inclusivity promise, the Bug Bulge Buster isn't just for true bugs or flies like us. They have harnesses to fit the tiniest sandfly all the way up to a big old dragonfly or hulking cicada. I'm just going to fly off and get one today. You go, girl. Pumpkin County, Northern Heart Chains. Here are some more Sturdy Pet Names. Oh, welcome back to Sturdy Pet Names. This is one of my favorite places to be, Meredith. Me too. So what have you got for us, Mike? I don't know why anyone would have a pet swan, but (laughs) if they did, or if you just were a swan, then I would say Sven is a great name for Sven the Swan, and it can even be, like, really stylized and, like, perfect for social media, you know, Sven the Swan, and you can have, like, this W's, like, as two V's instead of a W, it's like a double V, you know? and Yeah. Like, you can have a sort of, like fun acrostic situation you know yeah oh that works so well that's so perfect because like you think of swans as being kind of elegant and related to all things elegant and kind of like 
Swan Lake and ballet. And it just seems like I could just see a Danish ballerina. Ballerinex. Ballerinex. Thank you. Like a Scandinavian or a Danish ballerinex named Sven. It works so well. What do you got? So I actually got the idea for this yesterday. I was listening to Fresh Air with Terry Gross. And her guest was Padma Lakshmi of Top Chef fame. Sure. And there was a point in the interview where you just hear this kind of like, Row! and Padma's like, is that a cat? And Terry Gross goes, oh, that's just my cat, Rowdy. Terry Gross's cat's name is Rowdy? Yes. Isn't that like not what you would think? That's not at all what I would think. But I thought that was so cute. I love that she had a cat named Rowdy, and there is a picture of him online. I'll put it on the Instagram. But he's just kind of like a brown, stripy, tabby cat with kind of like big, worried, tabby eyes. But he looks like he'd be pretty rowdy to kind of spoil the fun. It's actually named after a Clint Eastwood character on the TV show Rawhide. Ah. I was like, Terry Gross. The plot thickens. It really does. You never cease to amaze me and bring me delight affirmative dirty pet name rowdy the cat and sven the swan what a great segment <laughs> so good texana you texana we texana who texana me kingdom and amelia go elsewhere for rock talk Phylum. Arthropoda. They don't wear underpants. Class. Insecta. Hexapod means six-legged. Order. Hemiptera. True bugs with sucking mouthparts. Family. Pentatomidae. Shield bugs with five antenna segments. Genus. Haliomorpha. Ew, bugs, you stink. Species. Haliomorpha. Palace. Get off my toothbrush, you brown marmonated stink bug. You know, when you were talking about scent glands, I just assumed that we were talking about like another mammal, maybe, you know. And so then when you kicked it off with arthropoda, I was just like, oh, well, this is gross. Where's (laughs) this going? But then it went to the stink bug, which is like rather pedestrian. So they are. I guess I'm a little relieved, if I'm honest. So my inspo for this was that I've just been watching Claude, my cat, like, just have a ball with all of these random bugs that have gotten into the house lately. Like there was a, I found him like messing with a wasp the other day and a moth and he was chasing a fly last night. I don't know where all these bugs are coming from, but anyway, so I was thinking about like other bugs that get into the house and often there's a time of year in the fall. I'll talk about why that is, but you start to see stink bugs like show up everywhere And I just think of all the little, like, pets and house creatures that end up, like, regretting an interaction with a stink bug. Because it doesn't take much to get them to, like, release the stink. Sure doesn't. So we'll just quickly go through um, some tax facts because I find some of this stuff pretty interesting. So class insecta, which oddly and embarrassingly, I didn't realize that, like, to be a true insect, you have to have six legs. Yes, Hence them being hexapods. So yes, six-legged. Duh. Yeah. Obviously. You knew this. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then when we go down to order, the hemiptera, this is where we get to the designation of something else I didn't know about, which is quote-unquote true bugs as opposed to untrue bugs. No way. There's true bugs? Value judgment alert. True bugs. With sucking mouth parts. <laughs> hubba hubba. Hubba hubba, indeed. So, okay. So when we talk about true bugs, this is going to be like cicadas, aphids, shield bugs, which is another word for stink bugs. Particularly in like American English, we kind of refer to all kinds of arthropoda as bugs. Like we call spiders bugs. We call flies bugs. We call beetles bugs. And those aren't actually quote-unquote, true bugs. Sure. Got it? Sure. Okay. And then we go down to family. We are in the pentatomidae. So pent, okay, what is that referring to? Five of something. It turns out five that it's referring to the segments on their antennas. And I'm like, what a weird thing to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> and name it because of the segments of the antennas. Yeah. Very unexpected. The specificity is almost, like, stupid. (laughs) It is almost stupid. (laughs) 
Okay, and so pentamidae, that's actually where it breaks off from the true bug designation down into the stink bugs or shield bugs. Sure. And then the genus and species, this is where I wanted to focus on the Haliomorpha halis, which is the brown marmorated stink bug. And I wanted to focus on this one because, like, the United States since 1998 is when they were first found here um, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> they originated in, like, China and Japan and probably made their appearance here via, like, shipping containers or, you know, other goods shipped from the east. Sure. Essentially, they appeared in 1998 and have kind of, like, taken the country by storm, if you will. I will. And so we'll kind of talk about that uh, towards the end and kind of like what that means. But before we do that, so we can kind of like paint the picture in our mind of what they look like and what their deal is. Let's just talk about their appearance a little bit. So they're a little over a half inch long and wide. It's like he's as tall as he is wide. And then the back kind of looks like a hard shield, hence the designation of shield bug. Right. And then obviously... Such a big deal that the antenna has five segments. Whoa. Yeah. And this turn marmorated, so the brown marmorated stink bug, it refers to like the marbled kind of veined variegated coloring on the back of the shield. So they're kind of like brownish, but it's kind of like speckled and vein, veiny looking. Yeah. And then obviously they have six legs because they're insects, hexapods. Let's talk stink. So... Their stink glands are located on the underside of their thorax. It's kind of in the center of their body between their first and second pair of legs. Essentially, it's just like you would expect. It's meant to repel predators. It's meant to make them not taste very good. So like an animal would just like chomp, 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 and then spit, spit, spit because it tastes bad. But apparently they say the scent to humans kind of smells like cilantro. And I'm like, that's not so bad. Well, you know, to some people, though, cilantro, cilantro is like soap. Cilantro tastes like soap. Right. But even then, then it's a soap bug. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it's not, so, it's not so bad at all. So I can think of a lot worse smelling things. So it's not so much like a stink bug. It's like an aromatic bug. Ooh. Buggy aromatics. Meredith's available for all your bug rebranding needs. I'm here for it. So we'll quickly just get to stinky bug love. Courtship consists of releasing pheromones so they're kind of like us but where they are not like us they actually use vibrational signals to communicate with one another so like during courtship i'm guessing these vibrational signals would be sent across like whatever like vegetation it is that they're standing on i can't imagine it's like vibrations that like literally shake the earth but maybe i don't know i don't really know what i'm talking about so i'm assuming they kind of like find a way with their body to like shake the leaf a little bit and then the woman feels these and then will respond Hmm. but apparently they have a very low they they vibrated a very low frequency beyond that i don't really understand what this means i'm just gonna say that line of inquiry (laughs) yeah find out more about bug vibration levels yeah but i think that's pretty cool though for real um Okay, so that's just kind of the quick rundown about them just as creatures. But in terms of their status as kind of this newer pest in the lives of Americans. So like I said, native to China and Japan, kind of appeared here officially, debuted in 98, U.S. stink bugs circa 98. Uh, And they've since been kind of working their way across the country. So by 2012, they've spread to 34 states and into Canada. For a number of reasons. So, like, the U.S. climate is very favorable to them, and they particularly like the warm weather. So, like, the warmer the weather, the more, essentially, generations of um, bugs they're able to produce. The hotter the weather, the hotter the stank. Yeah. As the temperature rises, so does the stank. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Ew. Yeah, and there's really no environmental limiting factors. Like, there's just not much that deters them in terms of what, you know, the climate of the U.S. And then they're able to fly pretty far as well. So if, you know, if there's a particular crop that, you know, they're not able to suckle from with their sucking mouth parts, they can just move to another crop, like, super easily because they have the ability to fly pretty far and fast. And what was interesting is that I never heard them referred to as an invasive species. 
And I'm thinking that's because I'm wondering, again, another line of inquiry, and I could have looked this up as far as like what the actual definition of invasive species is. But I'm thinking because it's not like they're displacing other animals. There's not really, I don't think they're really like competing for the same resources as other bugs and insects. They feed on fruit. So they're not really like compromising the, um, like the well-being of the trees, these tree bearing or the fruit bearing trees or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'm just wondering if that's why Yeah. perhaps they're not officially an invasive species. Lines of inquiry, like I said. But in terms of the crops that they like, they like apples, stone fruits. So like peaches and cherries and plums. I know about stone fruits. Delicious. I know. I love stone fruits too. Me too. Peppers, tomatoes, soybeans. So they just kind of like eat anything. So like the alligator or crocodile or those creatures that just will kind of like non-discriminatory eaters, not picky eaters. They like their chances of survival, again, are really good. Right. And so and they're able to adapt to kind of whatever is available to them. And so how it works is they insuck their they insuck. <laughs> insert their sucking mouth parts like into the say the flesh of a tomato and kind of like suck the juices out. That little tiny little piercing can kind of create like rotting on the inside of the fruit that isn't necessarily visible to the naked eye, but it really compromises the final fruit product. And so they can really decimate entire crops. Or if you get, you know, some not like cosmetically friendly grocery store pears or something, you'll see like dimpling all over them. That's probably because stink bugs have inserted their sucking mouth parts into them, sucked out the good juices. Truly bugging all of us. Yes, indeed. Like, don't fuck with my pears, bugs, please. For real. But yeah, it can like really mess up fruit crops and soybean crops. And what's frustrating, I'm sure, to farmers is that they're very hard to control with pesticides. Like, it's just there's really not a lot that works. So they've really got a good thing going, these guys. Yeah. This is, it's just like Merrily We Roll Along. Stink bugs by Sondheim. How did we get to be here? <laughs> I actually don't know that, that show very well. Oh, really? Oh, it's a good one. I have one. seen it long ago. Look, one of my favorite things to do in a room full of strangers, particularly if they're gay men of a certain age, is just start the conversation like, what's your favorite Sondheim? <laughs> yeah. And listen to all of them. And then when they're done listing uh, their favorites, I take the position that anybody who responds to that question, any grown-ass man who responds to that question with Into the Woods as their top, a lot of people say, well, Into the Woods was the first one that got me into it. But then uh-huh. you can trust those people. But don't trust the people that say just say Into the Woods without qualifying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you also cannot trust anybody that works in show business that says Merrily We Roll Along is their favorite <laughs> Sondheim musical. That's another thing. You can't trust those people either. These are some hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I know. So, Meredith, so we've already talked about what stink bugs like to eat. But does anything like to eat the stink bug? Yes. Yes, Mike. I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you brought that up because, yeah. Me too. There is a certain type of um, wasp. I'm not clear exactly on, like, what kind of wasp, but it they have been working on introducing populations of these wasps as a means of controlling the stink bug. And actually, our sweet little friends, the pill bugs, they like to eat stink bug larvae. So... They might be kind of a um, a horse in that race as well. Cool. I mentioned in the tax cheer, I said, get off my toothbrush, you brown marmorated stink bug. Yeah. And this is in reference to the fact that when it comes to the fall, stink bugs like to find kind of a warm, cozy place to overwinter to essentially hibernate. And that's why they can end up in our homes. They kind of seem to pop up in gross places. So I was watching a video about them and there was one, there was like a shot of a stink bug on a toothbrush, which was a little bit triggering for me because that has indeed happened to me Hmm. where I walk into the bathroom, there's a freaking stink bug like on the bristles of my toothbrush. Gross. And those two things, sir, just do not go together. No. Ew. So yeah, they will end up in your home. Your pets will fuck with them. And then, They'll get a mouthful of cilantro mist, and it's just 
they're a nuisance. So there's a lot on YouTube in terms of like how to trap them, how to get rid of them. But additionally on YouTube, it really seems like stink bugs have really worked their way into the hearts of musicians the country over. Because I there were at least 10 different songs, like independently produced songs about stink bugs. There were raps. There were R&B jammers. There were like children's songs. There were kind of like there might be giant-esque like kind of funky nerd rock. Sure. Complete with like people in like stink homemade stink bug costumes. So I really stumbled into a weird cache of like the inner YouTube sanctum dealing with like stink bug song. Very strange. Hmm. I mean, that's like an entire doctoral thesis. It kind of is like, why? Or maybe it's just a testament to the fact that we all like have encountered them in our homes and we're like, get the F out. Haleomorpha hallelujah. Sacred music traditions of the Holy Church of Stinkbug. <laughs> Circa 1650 to 1679. You have to have the very specific years in there, of course, because you wouldn't want to confuse like 18th century stink bug sacred music with 17th century stink bug sacred music. Like, what are we, Philistines? Yeah, you just need to really separate your menstruation canons from your marmoration canons. That's so, that is like such a deep cut that I can't even remember what a menstruation canon is. I have absolutely no clue. But it 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 is a thing. Who's to say? <laughs> Let's just say it, line of inquiry. That's one of those things where it's like, I appreciate these survey, you know, the need to survey something. But clearly the way you learn anything is by just learning about a bunch of the examples of it, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I'm sidetracked here in my, I feel like I've learned so much about animals. I think that it's also up to the individual to take upon themselves this, you know, desire to. I'm on my soapbox and this is your animal segment. Can you tell me more about stink bugs? I've actually, you've kind of tapped me out. I think I'm. We've worked our way to the bottom of my my list. Meredith, I'm surprised that stink bugs are only so recent in the United States because I have childhood memories of things being called stink bugs that were shield-like in appearance. So I'm glad you said this. So actually, there are a lot of stink bugs that are native and that look like the brown marmorated stink bug. But I guess it's just that because they're native... Um, or maybe for a number of different reasons, they haven't had quite the impact that this, you know, late nineties invasion has on crops. Like for some reason, this particular species has really, um, put some dimples in the nation's fruit supply, if you will. I will. Yeah. So you did. We all grew up seeing them and kind of being like, ugh, get out of here. And you probably saw some that looked a lot like the brown marmorated ones but they unless it was pre or post 1998 the chances of it being an actual brown marmorated one are um slim well yeah wild yeah i'm looking at the brown marmorated one right now and it seems to be a little different than my memories of my childhood stink bugs which were grayer Right, exactly. It was like almost a gray shield with like a, a black triangle in it somewhere, I remember. Exactly. I would also like to say, Meredith, that the history of this species in the United States is shorter than the run of Chicago the Musical on Broadway. Chicago the Musical opened on Broadway in 1997. Take that, stink bugs. Um, Break time. Yeah! Stay hydrated. <laughs> Stay facile. Eyes glowing. Your mouth's a smile. Meanwhile, Brand Clovey has done it again with Lynx Drinks, a new hydration system. Lynx Drinks is the new sugary energy compound suspended in reverse ion synthesis purified reclaimed urban water. Yum, yum. And it's packed with Lynx on our secret forest berry formula passed down generationally from Link's mother to Link's cub. Sphinx, Lynx, drinks. Me wow. Your mouth's a smile. Grr. 
eyes glowing. <laughs> Stay facile. <laughs> Stay hydrated. It just all smells like vinegar and greens. That's just what it all smells like right now, Meredith. We must be in your feed bag, Mike. It's just filled with delicious alfalfa, some hay. Twizzlers. Yeah, spinach, antioxidants. Well, we must be in the feed bag. Yeah, clearly. Brandon from Twinsburg asks, How many farts per day, FPD, are there in all the kingdom animalia? Oh my gosh. There's one thing that I think would be really difficult to measure. I mean, cows alone. So farty. Yeah. Okay, Meredith. So we know that humans fart. We know that mammals fart fart generally. But, like, does a fish fart? I hope so. I mean, we've talked about the term shark farts before. Shark farts, yes. But then do, do reptiles fart? Like, do you... If one possesses a cloaca, does that mean that one continues to fart? Or does a cloaca, are like a cloaca and farting mutually exclusive? Like, can you fart with a cloaca? Well, I think the thing is, like, birds don't have sphincters. So I think you could extend that to mean, because birds have cloacas, that there's no sphincter. And can you fart without a sphincter? Whew. Yeah, what are the wow. salient qualities of a fart? I think there has to be the, like, tightness, <laughs> if you will, of the sphincter to create the fart sound of the air coming through that tight sphincter. Oh sure, sure, sure. So, okay. But I don't think that a mollusk farts. I think that a mollusk has that sort of, like, siphon action going on. Right. Do insects fart? Probably not. I don't think they do. I bet. I, I mean, we know that probably ruminants are like Death. kings of farting. Fartin'. Yeah, and they're not quite as farty as the hindgut fermenters, let me tell you. So I don't know. How do we answer this question uh, for Brandon? I'm not sure. I think the answer is a lot, but it's the belief of Animal Fan Club that they're mostly concentrated amongst mammals. Right. And that... A further line of inquiry regarding the definition of what is a fart right. has now been opened to all of us. <laughs> what a gift. Yeah. What an efficient position. Probably the best one all, all day. Yeah, certainly the best one so far. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So Bruce from Cincinnati actually wants to know, oh, Bruce, you got this question in very fast. What's a mensuration cannon? Wow, Bruce. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Very speedy um, <laughs> question. That's remarkable speed. Um, so I guess I'll field this one. Thank you. So a cannon in music is essentially, it's like, you know, when you sing row, row, row your boat, and you say like row, row, row your boat, and then your friend starts from there singing row, 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 your, row boat. your boat gently down the stream. So it kind of creates this like imitation, right? So there's an imitation of the melody. So that is what's happening in a mensuration canon. But imagine if so, I start singing row, row, row your boat. And um, Mike starts singing row, row, row your boat, but he sings it like with like four beats per syllable, maybe like row, row, row your boat. So it's essentially a canon where we've got these imitation that we've got this imitation in the voices. The different voices can be going at like, uh, gosh, I'm not doing a very good job. Well, it sounds like yours would happen four times and mine would happen once, but it's the same material. Sure. That's a good way. Okay. To, yes. Thank you for... Um, and I should also say about menstruation canon, you can, instead of extending the note values, like say from like a quarter note to a whole note, you could also decrease the note values. So the melody could be moving at a faster pace. Quick, quick, remix. Exactly. <laughs> So it would be an augmentation canon versus a diminution canon ah. in that case. 
aren't you glad you tuned in to this animal podcast to learn about obscure 15th century <laughs> musical forms? Yes. This is what we're here for. This is what we're all about. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, Sherry from Sharonville asks, do any animals like accordion music? Oh. Whoa. I think I have a clue to this. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an animal and I like accordion music. I will stand up for the accordion. Hell yeah. And I know somebody else who will stand up for the accordion, the meerkat. As was exposed to me by a great restaurant in Astoria, Queens called Astoria Secret. On their Instagram, they had an animation of some meerkats playing accordions and Gosh darn it if I didn't love it. The story of that place is that I followed it from our show's Instagram by accident. I meant to follow it from my personal Instagram. But back when I would go to the gym, the cardio machines, back when the gyms were open, the cardio machines faced the street where that place was, where Astoria's Secret is. And it says the lingerie shop. And it's like (laughs) shop with like seven P's and four E's. You know, it's one of those. Yeah. <laughs> it was always kind of weird. I was like, what's going on there? Because it looked a little like seedy, but they were a restaurant preparing to open. That's why people were coming and going the way that they were, you know? Uh-huh. It used to be Victoria's Secret, but it's not anymore. And so they rebranded it. They renamed it and opened it as a bar, like right when COVID started. Ugh. But they've been liking our Instagram content, which is fun. I got to go there someday when I can again. I can't wait to be a patron at Astoria Secret. <laughs> yeah, it looks fun. It, it looks, it's a little like, you know, it's a little like sexy risque thing. But, you know, this is a relatively, in New York terms, this is a relatively conservative mm-hmm. area, Astoria, you know. And so like having something that's that kind of like risky, sexy is like, it's not the same as what a lot of people think of when they think of like New York sexy, you know, it's like the suburbs out here. It's like, right. Pretty, you know, calm. Right. Right. So something like that's a little like, Ooh, la la. (laughs) Well, I can't wait to go. I hope they have accordion playing meerkats there. A girl can dream. Right. And I will. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, a ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Great episode, Meredith. Yes. So fun. Yeah, this was a really stinktastic episode. <laughs> it sure was. Maybe I should go take a shower. Yeah, I think I need to. All right, well, um, shower time. Shower time. Bye. Bye. Animal Fan Club is created and produced by us, Meredith Jurgens and Mike Luno. We also create all our original music and sonic experiences. Send us your listener feedback questions to animalfanclubpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at animalfanclubpod, at Meredith Jurgens and at Mike underscore Luno. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on your favorite app. That really helps us out. Thanks for listening to our show. We hope it makes your heart and spirit glow. We'll be here next week for another meeting of the Animal Fan.